1: Do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. We got Michael of the Michael Rostin Show out of ESPN, joining us to talk some football, delving into the Detroit Lions, the whole NFL, so buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go, three, two, one. We're back.
0: We sitting here, I supposed to be the
1: franchise player, and we in here talking about
0: practice. Oh! clock at five.
1: Pass is intercepted
0: at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound
1: box, back out to Allen, History, 3 back! Tie game! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship!
0: He's going for the corner, he's got it! Bases loaded, two out right and to right.
1: Baby, it's the charity strike. pitcher free throws, cause they're So two twenty nine coming out at you guys, and so two twenty eight. And I'm flanked on my right by defensive coordinator Alex. Tossed me the rock. Tassopoulos, unfortunately, Nikki snacks. Crying. Cannot be in the studio because he has to stay home alone with his roommates, wow, wow, because of coronavirus. So unfortunately, he can't be here today. Super, super bummed out about that, but he does call in on the phone with our phone conversation with Michael Rothstein, so get excited to hear Nikki Snacks cried as voice from afar. And before we get into anything, we have a message from our sponsor, our favorite sponsor. True Classic Tees. Yeah. True Classic teas. They are our favorite. 100%, we love them, hundred percent.
2: They've been with us for a while. They're since an LA local brand. It's all about supporting your local businesses during these trying times yep. with COVID nineteen out there.
1: They've been our they've been our day one. They've been our favorite brand since day one, plus a few days.
2: Yeah, plus plus a few days. I mean, they're they're soft. They hold up in the wash. They don't shrink. You know, they're incredibly versatile. Mm-hmm. Once we are able to go outside, yeah, you are gonna be one. Wanting to wear your true classic tee. It's going to be summer.
1: What else? For whatever the occasion. makes sense. Yeah. And and and, I want to reiterate.
2: And when you're by the book. Yeah.
1: You wear a true classic tee. Because that's the only way to do it. (laughs) Yep. That's exactly how you did. it. And I also want to like make mention. You said that they're soft. And the t-shirts themselves are soft. Not the company. Yeah, the company is. It's a it's a normal it's like a well. They're brass knuckles. They're brass hard. Kn- yeah. yeah, it's like these guys come from the streets of London, but they started their company in Los Angeles. <laughs> they <and> come, they <laughs> come from the streets of <laughs> London. <laughs> they come from the streets of London, and yeah, but they did. Apparently,
2: stre- in between takes uh, on the set of Peaky Blinders, Killian Murphy exclusively wears true classic tees. So that's something that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a great show on Netflix. Um, check check Netflix out. Check.
1: Peaky, like, Peaky Blinders <laughs> out on Netflix well, Not Adrian, a sponsor Adrian But Brody, True Classic uh, True Classic Teas is Yeah, I saw Adrian Brody on his Instagram at a True Classic Teas And I, he must have picked it up from Killian Murphy in season well,
2: four. I, well, no, no He must have gone to TrueClassicTeas.com And used the code to check out Believe, B-L-E-A-V Obviously um, You know, that's that's Believe, B-L-E-A-V At TrueClassicTeas.com do it. Go buy a true classic tea. Seriously, they're super, super comfortable. I mean, Adrian Brody loves them. So does Killian Murphy. I don't necessarily want to talk for other people and say that they like
1: the shirts, but I just did, and wanna, they do, and they love the shirts. I want to talk for those two. I want to talk for Adrian Brody, and I know he loves them. I know it. He's a man of simple taste, and mm. he just gets he just, got, it's, he just gets the brass knuckle of the true classic tea. Yeah. yeah. So he's a co-believe. Um, cool. Uh, we we said it top. We'll say it again. We'll say it some more. Michael Rosting of ESPN. Michael Rosting Show. Check it out, guys. Yeah, ESPN.com. You know, yeah, yeah. ESPN.com. Check
2: out all of his works that he's writing about. You know, he, he covers mostly the Lions, um, but just NFL as a whole. And you'll see that in the interview we have with him. He's very, very knowledgeable, um, knows his stuff. And it's a fun interview. It's yeah, a good time.
1: We have a great time with him. So uh, kick NFL's back.
2: really the only thing going on right now, and you that's what we as, talk about. Yeah,
1: you might as well enjoy it. Yeah. Don't fight it. Let it happen. Just ease into it. Let it happen. Let it happen. Be the ball. Be the ball, babe. All right, guys. You heard it in the introduction. We got Michael Rothstein calling in. Michael Rothstein of the Michael Rothstein Show and of ESPN. Michael, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty well. i just kind of hanging out in Gray, Michigan. How are y'all?
1: We're good, man. We're good. We're out in Los Angeles, sunny Los Angeles, so there's worse places to be if we want to go outside, sneak outside for a walk. We kind of do so get a little fresh air, but other than that, we are watching fantasy, uh, watching uh, free agency go down like hawks in the NFL because that's all that's all we got right now. (laughs) We're hanging on Mm -hmm. any cornerback, any fifth string cornerback that gets signed or cut. We're chomping at the bit for that little new that little news feed. Uh, So that's kind of the way of life we're in right now. I'm sure you're in the same boat. Uh, Guys, like we mentioned, Michael covers the Detroit Lions. Before we even get into that, Michael, you're from New York. How did you fall in? I want to talk about football, obviously. Um, I know you cover Michigan, too, and you you do MMA as well, so a couple questions for you there, if that's all right. Um, Before we jump into that, how did you fall into covering the Lions, a guy from New York?
0: Yeah, I mean it was kind of a roundabout journey, honestly. And I start so I grew up on Long Island, yeah, uh, in a town called East Meadow, which is right by Hofstra University, mm-hmm. best known for uh, Frank Viola, uh, an actress from *The named Jenna Ushkowitz, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, if you watch *Seinfeld*. Uh, which, not unfortunately, if you watch Seinfeld, but if you watch Seinfeld, you probably heard they make, make reference to the serial killer Joel Rifkin. Joel Rifkin was from my town, and actually <laughs> lived around the corner from me growing up.
1: Joel so, Rifkin, yeah. Uh
0: yeah, no. So super fun things sometimes to be uh, no Not for. many people, not many people can say they lived right down the street from the serial killer. So that's badass. Yeah, yeah. We well, survived I mean, it. I, yeah i guess I, I wouldn't quite look at it like that but sure <laughs> um then then, uh, then i went to syracuse and uh from there i moved to a little town called which is not so little anymore but uh victorville california which i'm sure some of you LA people are familiar with if you make the long arduous drive from la to vegas it is uh the first stop over the cajon pass i moved there sight unseen out of college and I, when I flew in, I, I, I have no problem telling this story because this just shows my East Coast bias at that point, although I love the West Coast at heart now. Uh, I flew in, and I saw what I thought were clouds. and I was like, oh, look, it's going to really thunderstorm bad. And my dad flew in with me and laughed at me, and he's like, no, those are mountains. I was like, oh, great! <laughs> so we're, we're driving right into those, and we go over the Cajon Pass, uh, which, if you've gone from LA to Vegas, you've more than likely done that, and it's it's pitch black at night when when you, you know that at least back then in two thousand two it was, and I was like, okay, where 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 am I here? And the first exit or second exit after you go through over the Cajon Pass was uh, for Victorville, California. And I was like, all right, this is where I'm living now. Cool. <laughs> uh, so I lived there for a year. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Vegas and a lot of time uh, in the various beach communities and uh, in Los Angeles when I could. Then I moved to Harrisonburg, Virginia for a couple of years. I covered James Madison. I covered the University of Virginia football team. I covered a D3 school called Bridgewater College Mm -hmm. uh, football. And then I moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was there for four years, covered Notre Dame, covered some Indy car racing and NASCAR racing and uh, some high school stuff. And then I moved up to Michigan about, oh, almost 11 years ago now, about 10 and a half, I guess. And uh, I started covering Michigan for four years, uh, first for the local type of website, because the Ann Arbor News, it just folded as a newspaper. And mm-hmm. uh, so they hired for a startup. So I started there for two years. And then ESPN hired me to cover Michigan and a little bit of national college basketball for two years before they moved me to the NFL. And I've been at the, with the NFL, covering the NFL ever since, mostly focusing on the Lions. And then I pick up some other stuff here and there.
1: So that is how I got here. Beautiful. <laughs> wow. That is a story. You've, you've done your time, man, yeah. all over the country.
0: Yeah, man. I've lived in three or four time zones at this point. Uh, like, I think I've lived in Jersey for like a week. I don't count it. <laughs> um,
1: that's like me. I lived it, in England for a week. I always tell people he does. He, count does count, he does count. He does count it. I do count, that, which I though. give him a lot of I grief for. I would
0: count
1: that every day. Yeah, you kidding. Long Island guys stick together, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we. I love how at the top you said you 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 grew up on Long Island. We had a huge thing where I had to explain to everybody that's on Long Island, not in Long Island, versus like no, because would,
0: you're you're on you're it actually makes sense. on the island. It makes sense. You're not like you're not in it. Like that would be like I grew up on a house
1: yeah like no you <laughs> on the roof a house, in and out. <laughs> i was the fiddler on the roof back in the day um,
0: i mean hey listen uh, mazel to you
1: <laughs> thank you man i need you and i are members of the tribe nick's kind of half in the boat um the <laughs> <laughs> i looked the, up a, a photo
2: i looked up victorville california because i didn't know what it was and the photo that popped up is uh the new corral motel so that's i guess I don't know. Do you remember that? Probably, probably <laughs> the main not. The mainstay, re-
1: <laughs> steak and eggs every there for in the, in the morning. Um, the, so you've been covering the Lions in Michigan football. What's been more frustrating to cover? I mean, the Lions have been on the you know, just been down and out. Truthfully, I mean they have they've been kind of a desolate unfortunate franchise um, they're looking I think on the up they have a great draft slot at number three they've made some decent moves in the offseason I think they have some nice pieces on offense there so they're looking on the up I'd like to think but they've been kind of low um, on the totem pole in the NFL for a long time but Michigan it seems like Michigan we're Texas guys so we could we're like the Michigan of the south every year it's like Texas is back every year it's like Michigan's back they're gonna contend for the playoffs what's been more frustrating um, seeing from the fans we're covering you know Michigan Michigan. Michigan almost getting there year after year, the Lions not being able to, you know, build a steady franchise.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't I haven't covered Michigan for a long time, but I've covered a lot of bad football. I mean, so when I covered Notre Dame, I'll go back a little bit. Yeah. So when I covered Notre Dame, I covered Charlie Weiss's first four years. So I covered Mm -hmm. two really good football seasons and two really bad football seasons. Then I came to Michigan and I covered Michigan for four years. I covered the last two years of Rodriguez and the first two years of Brady Hoke. They, they had one good year in there. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to go cover the lions where they've had one good season in seven. So yeah, I've seen a lot of not great football. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see for me from a, it's weird, right? Because like I don't get frustrated if the team is bad. I don't care. Yeah. Um. And I don't care if they're great. I don't care if they're bad. Generally, is a little better for me if they're if they're good because more people want to read about it. Yeah. But if they're really bad, people want to read about it too, just for different reasons, right? Yes. Or, or hear about it. So the worst for me, and the most frustrating things for me, is when a team is consistently mediocre. Which actually, really, before these last couple of seasons with the Lions, what are what the Lions were, which oh. was. They, you know, they lived in that nine and seven, seven and nine world for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you, you just don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you can't, there's no storylines to trace and guys are kind of like, yeah, I kind of want to talk, uh, like, like about stuff because I, I like, I tell a lot of human interest stories, a lot of feature stories, a lot of stuff that has nothing to do necessarily with what happens on the field. And Guys need to be like in a mood to do that, right? Like whether whether they're gonna welcome you into their homes or at least into their lives. And uh, you know, generally, I find when a team is not playing well at all, they're maybe sometimes more willing to do it because you're they're not you're not asking them why they stink. Um, And but when they're mediocre, they're just kind of like, eh, you know. uh, And I think apathy sets in a little bit. So to answer your question, I mean, I think living in Ann Arbor and Covering the Lions, I feel like there is more frustration from the Michigan fan base because there is this like random eternal expectation, even though they haven't even made it to the Big Ten title game yet since it, since it came in existence, and they've generally not been all that good since 2006. So, you know, I look at that and I say. I think Michigan fans are more frustrated because Lions fans are just kind of used to in it. In some ways – yeah, so in some ways used to it and in some ways kind of wondering when the other shoe is going to drop even when a team is good. You know, And mm-hmm. I, I'm the first person to admit – and I've been on a few different podcasts lately because um, – you know, self self-isol- self isolation and quarantining and and social distancing. I'm I'm willing to do whatever people want, almost. And basically, <laughs> famous you know, last talk- words,
1: dude. I'm out of you twenty bucks and see how far it takes me.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> but my, but, so no, but the, my point is like, so I've done a few of these, and we've talked about certain things, and like, there's just. I don't know. There's not like a hope, but like even when the Lions are good, people are like, "Well, wait a minute, what's going to happen?" So I got hurt like last year because I thought they were going to be good last year. I went out there. I never say better than eight and eight ever, just because in the NFL, seventy percent of your teams are living between seven and nine and nine and seven. So I actually said they were going to be ten and six last year. That was a big, big freaking miss. Um, But I mean, even when you see Lions fans, like they're just like they just are always kind of either super optimistic or they're waiting for their shoe to drop, but they're always kind of living on that edge and they never feel very comfortable with anything where if you ask Michigan fans, at least the Michigan fans, I see they up until probably this past year, they have always been like, Oh, going to be the best. Even yeah. if like, it was clear, like that, that was not going to happen. And I, again, that's just my, I have a very small, much smaller view of Michigan fans as mm-hmm. far as like my breath of them than I used to. so that's a long answer for saying i would say probably michigan fans are more frustrated but i think that's also too because i mean let's be honest like ohio state not to this is going to be a dated reference but ohio state is their lucy right like like ohio state continually pulls the ball away whenever michigan seems like it's close Mm -hmm. and the michigan just can't get over that hump and when it's one team and when it's your biggest rival i think that that automatically leads to more frustration um as a fan than the lions which you know it's not like yeah the packers were doing them you know or beating them in for a while but like they have played well against the packers the last few years like it's just a multitude of things and there's just different ways to make the playoffs and so i, I don't quite view it on the same level
1: mm-hmm. i mean they were like they, they were competitive in the games that stafford played last year It's not like they they were in the games and they go, okay, this team's they're getting blown out, you know, they've got some serious roster issues. No, they were competitive in a lot of games. I mean, a lot of the issues came from, you know, Snacks Harrison was heralded going into last year as the run stopper, the premier run stopper of the NFL, and and he totally tailed off. Um, which you don't foresee coming. I just don't know. I don't know how many guys bought in. Jared, you know, Jared Davis hasn't really come to fruition. He's really he's really inconsistent. Um, but then the offensive side, if Stafford's healthy, that team. I mean, Galladay is a beast, dude. Galladay's got to be a top fifteen receiver in the NFL. Um, and a true number one at the very least. I think Hawkinson. There's a lot of growing pains that come with tight ends. I find. I mean, outside of Gronkowski, who is just a you know freak of nature, but it takes a guy. I feel like it takes a guy's a year or two sometimes to get adjusted to the NFL in that position because there's being there's so much asked at the tight end nowadays that it takes a little bit of time for them to get adjusted. But I think Hawkins is all in, the, He
2: was injured a lot. And he was injured too
1: last season. Yeah, he, I think he has all the tools to put it together both on the receiving and blocking end. Um, so where, where do you think are, do you now last year, the 10 and six obviously doesn't come, you know, it it goes pretty much the opposite. They're picking number three. Uh, do you think this is a team on the up or are they still going to be picking in the top five next year?
0: Well, well, they're still picking in the top five next year. They, they have major, major problems. They're going to have a regime change. If that's happening, you might see a different quarterback too at that point, because I would imagine that if they do make a regime change after this year, whoever they hire as a GM and a head coach will probably have some carp launch to make a decision on Matthew Stafford. Yeah. And uh, you know, at that point, maybe you, you know, like, because also I truly believe if they end up in the top five, it probably means Matthew Stafford didn't play well mm-hmm. because if Matthew Stafford plays well and this offense is, is what I think it can be, then they should be in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Um. So, so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a, there was a lot there, but I mean, I look at TJ Hawkinson. I think you're right. I'm high on TJ Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson. I, I, I think that he is somebody who we don't know how much he would have practiced this spring, but working on the assumption that there's going to be no OTAs or mini camp or anything like that, which right now, as of April 1st, it's tough to, to see that happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if he was going to be able to get practice time in, that would have been valuable because he's coming off a fairly serious injury. Um, So, you know, now what does he look like in training camp whenever that does occur? So I think that he has the tools and I think he's somebody that could be like the third option for the Lions. And that's, I think that that's fine because you're, you're, you don't want to be your number one option because that means either you're not throwing to Kenny Galladay a lot or Kenny Galladay's hurt. Yeah. Um. You know. And otherwise, you got Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is a good player, but you know he he should be your number two option. Yeah. Frankly, and then it should be Hawkinson after that, as far as in the passing game. So I like their offensive pieces a lot. Um. I think they go through uh, defense at number three.
1: And do you know, is there no? Go, is there? Would you like to see them trade out though from the number three spot?
0: Yeah. I mean, if they, I think that they would. I mean, I don't care what they do. Um. I, but I think that. You, <laughs> no i think you'll see i think you'll see them try and it would make sense i don't think you'd see them go any lower than six because i think they can go to five or six and probably still get akuda um yeah. which that seems to be their top target um obviously if chase young ends up being there i think that changes the game but uh, they also probably wouldn't be able to trade at three if yeah. chase young is there so i look at it and i say you know what if you can trade to five or six, get a CUDA, pick up another first maybe, or pick up a second, or pick up a future first, I think that's a really smart move. You're not really losing anything. You're still getting the guy. You very well might have taken it three anyway. That's a win for you. Um, you know, I, So, yeah, I, I think that ideally, in an ideal world, Bob Grum would definitely love to trade down. But mm-hmm. the only thing is you always have to have a partner, and maybe Miami looks at it and says, you know what? We're all right with either Herbert or Tua. Let's just say Miami says that. Like, got them equal. You know, we can't really get like a medical on Tua, so we don't really know. You know, you know what you're getting in Herbert. We're okay with either one. Well, then, if you're Miami, maybe you stay five because oh, yeah, totally. But, because at that point, I don't think you're going to see trades at three M. Like, you're going to get one of them because, like, because yeah, you will get one of them.
1: Mm -hmm. because the Giants are a quarterback is going to go three or four probably
0: right three I would imagine a quarterback goes two, three or four one of those spots I don't think they they, a quarterback will go in all three of those spots I actually think a quarterback would probably only go in one of them unless unless like the Raiders or I mean maybe New England or you know some some team maybe even the Colts even though they just signed Philip Rivers like they unless they really want to try to make an aggressive move up and I don't know if they would be able to get all the way up to say three now at six, that's a different story. You know? Yeah. You know, but even then I, you know, I don't know. And I don't think the line, I would be, it would take for me to me, it would take a lot for the lions to do, make a double trade down. Now, I think they pick up and acquire a ton of picks, but you need an elite defensive player. Yeah. And you there are four, in my opinion, there are four of them in this draft. or well five, sorry, five of them in this draft. Uh, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, Javon Kinlaw, and Derek Brown. You probably can't drop below nine and get one of those guys. Yeah. So At least in my opinion right now. Because if you look at it, you say, okay, you've got the two quarterbacks. We've probably maybe got the three quarterbacks. You've got those five. And you've got maybe an offensive tackle or a wide receiver in there as well. And like that, may, you know, maybe, maybe 10, maybe you can get lucky at 10, but at that point you want to, you want to risk it.
1: Yeah. Totally. Uh, if you,
0: if you feel like you need to get an elite defensive talent. And right now, if you look at what the lions have done in free agency, all of it lines up for them to really be doing one of two things, which is taking Jeffrey Okuda at three or five or six. And then if Okuda somehow is gone, then maybe they look at the interior of the defensive line.
1: Yeah. I mean, on that, offense... that's how it looks to me
0: without you know being able to be around these guys a whole lot right now like that's how it looks to me is what they would do i've i think isaiah simmons is a great player yeah i think he might end up being the best defensive player in this draft i think that there's a non-zero chance i'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's going to happen but i think he is that has that type of potential in the right sort of uh, with the right sort of coaching staff that knows how to use him. yeah um and knows where to put him like i think he can be absolutely completely totally dynamic And yeah, that's intriguing to me, but I don't, the way that the Lions have handled the safety position and linebacker specifically, those two spots, it doesn't seem to line up that they would make that
1: move. Now, looking at their offseason, they have, they bring in Reggie Raglan, they trade for DeRon Harmon. And then on the offensive side, like you're saying, they gave Vitae the massive contract. They've taken Decker in the first round, they've taken Ragnow in the first round, they bring back Amendola, and as a fourth receiver, now they have Geronimo Allison as their fourth receiver. I mean they the only offense I only see their offense going the only way they'd really go offense is maybe if they take a running back in like rounds like two or three. probably not even two, maybe even three, right?
0: See, I disagree with you. I disagree with you. I can see them taking a running I can see them taking a running back in the second round. I can see them taking a quarterback in the second round. I can really? see them taking a receiver in the second round. And they need a lineman too, man. They don't have a freaking guard right now. Like they're right now their right guard spot is Ode Abouche, Bo Benchwal. Uh, Joshua Garnett, bust, and Russell Bodine, like that's their right guard spot, and they only have and they have Joe Dalla on the, at left guard, so they need guard. So a guy like, you know, I mean, I've seen Cesar Ruiz's name, who's played center at Michigan.
1: Yeah, but you know, I he's, think he's going to go in the. He's first a guy round. that
0: I've seen mentioned in possibly the second round. Yeah. So, I think that they're, I, I could see them taking a guard in the third. I could see them going defense, offense, offense because hmm. it's a deep receiver draft, but they need a receiver because, sure, they signed Geronimo Allison. Okay, so say, let's say Geronimo Allison makes this team, right? So, right now, their top five receivers now, Kenny Galladay should get a long term extension here. But okay. as of today, as of April 1, their, their top five receivers are all on one-year contracts. They need a receiver because at some point they're not going to re-sign Danny Amendola anymore. Marvin Jones is an interesting question, I think, for them uh, either to extend before the season or, or go into free agency or, or what have you. I think it's a really intriguing question for them because he's a good player, but he's also 30. He's dealt with some injuries. Marvin Hall, okay, he you know, right now you know he can do one thing, mm-hmm. he, which is run. But other than that, like he's not he hasn't really shown much as far as being a super fast guy and Jeronimo Allison, I'm sorry,
1: like
0: I'm not even sold that Jeronimo Wallace makes the team. So, you know, I, they need a receiver oh. that I, I highly, I, I expand in the deepest receiver class that I can remember. Now they may not take one until the third round or even the fourth round, but I expect them to take a receiver. You know, I, I think it's going to totally depend on how the board falls. They have a lot of holes. They need, they need people. They need to upgrade in a lot of places because, okay, let's say they take Jeff Okuda at three, right? Well, yeah. if Josh Uche is sitting there at 35, I think that they take Josh Uche for season release. You know, I mean, I think that both of those guys are possibilities, but say J.K. Dobbins is there. Say Jonathan Taylor is there. Well, all right. I mean, second round has been a hot spot for them for running back, at good, for both good and bad yeah. throughout, you know, for really the past decade. But And that goes – beyond Bob Quinn. They, they took the Mich- LaShore in the second round. They took Amir Abdullah in the second round. And they took On Johnson in the second round. Mm-hmm. So they have a history of taking running backs in the second round. And they need they need one because you can't count on on Johnson to give you 16 games at the no. moment. You just can't. And you can't count on Bo Scarborough to, to give you that either because you just don't know. The sample size was okay, but and the, the sample you saw was okay, but you don't know how I'll well handle a full season. You just don't. And then beyond that, Ty Johnson. I like Ty Johnson. I think he can be a good player, but he's really unproven. You need another back in there, and maybe it ends up being a veteran, but they've gone down that road before, and it hasn't worked with Garrett Blunt, with C.J. Anderson. So, so I draft the guy, especially because if Terry on gets hurt again, you're probably moving on from him at some point in the near future because oh, yeah. he
2: just can't stay healthy. Right, and then it also provides you know a little bit less of a load for him. If you bring on someone who's competent – you can learn the playbook and get in there and be effective? Then Makes he can, match, yeah, yeah. Then you can have the two back system that you know everyone wants.
1: Exactly, I, I think so too. I mean, I think they are in a best player available situation. Um, I think I'm, I'm kind of operating on the modem that Caesar Ruiz is not there in the second round. I think he's too. I think he played center at Michigan, but he could you can swing him into guard. And there's just massive value. I mean, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan, right? So I know the value of versatile linemen. If you have a guy that can play three different positions on the offensive line, both guard spots and the center spot, He's just wicked valuable to me, and a team like the Niners who are picking at thirty-one, everyone's mocking them a wide receiver. A team like the Ravens, those teams could totally jump on him. Um, but Uche is a great pick for the Lions. I think they are. I, I like what you're saying about the wide receiver position because Amendola is old. Geronimo Miles and Allison. Miles, and he's nothing to write home about. So I mean, if they have a guy like you know T. Higgins somehow falls to them, I mean it's a little bit of the it's a little bit of similarity to Kenny Galladay, but he's still a great receiver. That'd be interesting for, to see them to see them pick him. Do you think Stafford like? if you had to bet your bottom dollar, is Stafford the guy going forward, or will we see a new quarterback in the next year or two?
0: I mean, I, I still think you roll with Stafford until you have reason to not roll with Stafford, honestly. And I say that in the reasoning of this, which is Matthew Stafford's still a really good quarterback. And, you know, listen, if he gets hurt again, if there's back issues again, Or if he doesn't play well, then sure, I think you look to move on. But he's still only thirty two years old. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. it's not he's just been in the league forever. Like it's not like he's, you know, this thirty eight year old. It's not like he's Phillip Rivers where it was like, Okay, this may be coming to an end now with the Chargers. Like you need to move on, you need to maybe find something else. Or and it's not even to me like a Cam Newton situation where, you know, like you Cam just really struggled. Like so I mean, Matthew Stafford, when he got hurt, Matthew Stafford was honestly playing the best I've ever seen him play. And that's, to me, he was playing at a Pro Bowl and if, frankly, the Lions were a little better, maybe MVP type.
1: Yeah, he was. He was on play.
0: Fire. Yeah, he was that type of level. So why would you, and this is the argument I've made with people all over Detroit when they're like, oh, they should take two on it. Well, if you take two, you're basically committing to getting rid of Stafford after the 2020 season. Yeah. But what yeah. if Matthew Stafford, comes out and plays com, plays like at an MVP level for you. That's great for you. But now you've got this guy sitting on the bench and you're probably not going to play him next year either. Mm-hmm. So w- what are you doing? And it, it just doesn't make sense to me, especially when if you were the lions, right? Like if this were the first year for the, this coaching staff, I would actually say taking two and makes the most sense because you can go the Alex Smith, Patrick Holmes method and that works especially with a guy like Tua that like probably needs a year since he hasn't played. Yeah. And he's and right now if you're somebody starting a rookie quarterback, you have to be concerned because you don't get those pre the spring workouts. You don't you who knows what your preseason will look like. So that quarterback has is that's a major problem. Like if I'm the Bengals right now, I'm like, all right, well, we'll see how this goes with Joe Burrow, like but you maybe you don't want to throw Joe Burrow right in there because that that can really damage a quarterback. We've seen it time, you know, time and time again when you throw quarterbacks in there too soon and it hurts them. You saw it last year with Washington and Dwayne Haskins. You yeah. saw it, you know, with David Carr way, way back with the Texans. You saw it with Jimmy Clausen and the Panthers. You've seen it, you saw it with yeah. Josh Rosen and yeah, the Cardinals. I'm sure some of those guys maybe aren't great, but you got to give your guy a chance Totally. And to totally. me right now, if I have a rookie quarterback and it's I'm, and that rookie quarterback is being expected to play right away. That's really dicey this year because though that five, six weeks of that, they have is invaluable for, for quarterbacks just to even get used to throwing the receivers. And, and who knows if that's going to happen. So that's a long answer and a kind of, you know, multiple jaunted answer for saying, yes, I think Matthew Stafford's our quarterback for the immediate future. I think Matthew Stafford's our quarterback for the foreseeable future, as long as he keeps playing well. But if, if, if things go South this year, I can see everything get, getting blown up because all of their contracts, Patricia Quinn and Stafford all end after the 2022 season. So it's potentially much more palatable to walk away from all three of them. if, it doesn't work out. But I think that what would happen would be they would bring in a new regime and then that regime would make the decision on Matthew Stafford. And then maybe that regime would kind of say, all right, you know what, we're going to give you one more year Stafford. And then, but we're going to draft a quarterback behind you. And, you know, kind of even like in a, like, you know, like the Alex Smith, Mahomes situation, or even a Kurt Warner, Eli Manning situation, where, listen, at some point, if this doesn't go well for you during the season, you're getting benched.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, he, his birthday was in February. He just turned thirty-two. He's—I think people right. think he's a lot older than he actually is. He's yeah, married.
1: he just because he's been starting first. He started as a rookie, and, right? You know, people and he got hurt in his first and second year, but hasn't been hurt since up until. This well,
2: I mean, he came in the league at
0: what was he twenty? Uh, Two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah. So was yeah, so twenty when he came out, twenty-one. Like. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's been he's been around forever. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't see. You know, you you bring up a good point, but I just don't see him having. A bad year next year because I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I nah, think he's a. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think
1: the only issue would be the injury situation. But if you're drafting yeah, yeah, Tua, then course. you're kind of bringing on the same risk, right? In a sense, so it's it's just doubling down on the injury risk, which doesn't make any sense to me. I think I think we're all you know talking about and discussing it. I think the best option is take the best player available, which could be Okuda, which seems like I think you think Simmons is better, but you think they're going Okuda, Michael. I think Simmons is. I think Okuda is better. But I think they are going to go same. I think just knowing Patricia right and knowing what he values again in versatility coming from the Patriot system I think I look at Simmons and I go okay even though
2: if he doesn't think his defense is ready for that type of piece
1: I, don't I, I but I, it, but that piece is it's a it's a it's a it's a queen it's a, you're adding a queen to the chessboard you know what I'm saying it's a it's you're adding a guy that can do multiple things it could be like Troy Palomalu but instead of being the safety linebacker kind of hybrid it's the linebacker safety where he's you know starting down there and then dropping back versus you know Palomalu was so good on the line all Jumping off the blitz, jumping, I mean, yeah, obviously he's an amazing safety and a ball hawk back there, but he's good, every, he was good everywhere, and it's even more of that kind of versatility. I think adding that piece, I mean, Harmon's good, he's not great, you know? Yeah. I mean, Dave, like we brought up, Davis is fine, but he's inconsistent. And, not, and, and ditto with Reggie Raglan. I think it's a, I think Simmons would be a really good piece for the Lions, but so would Okuda. Um, But I'm with you guys. I think it'd be hard-pressed to find Stafford not being the starting quarterback. I think things could go well. I don't know how much I trust the Bears. Any weight on that, Michael? Or do you think they'll bounce back?
0: Uh, I mean, I feel like their defense a lot. And Nick Foles is probably an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky as long as Nick Foles plays. Yeah. I think they'll be fine. I mean, I like a lot of their pieces. Tariq Cohen's good. The Montgomery kid kids a good running back or at least was in college and uh yeah you know, i still have alan robinson at receiver and they, they just signed jimmy graham who's kind of just making the tour and uh <laughs> you know I, I think they've got a shot i mean I, I think their defense can be really really good and that's that in this division is something that's important and that really hurt the lions last year yeah. because their offense was fine their defense was atrocious and that that killed them. But yeah, I mean, I I look at the bears and I I think it's a really difficult division from to bottom. Uh, But I look at the bears and I say, yeah, sure. You can compete. You know, as long as you get something on offense, because if you don't get anything on offense, you're in trouble too, because Minnesota green Bay and the lions all should be able to score like at a relatively decent clip next season. So yeah, I mean, don't forget the Bears. the bears faced the lions without Matthew Stafford twice. I think if they had Matthew Stafford, they would probably win one of those games. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I look at that. that I, when I look at those things, that's just kind of. I think the Bears will be fine. It's really. I, mean, I think everybody's gotten a little bit better. It's,
2: it's really. It's, it's really interesting that you say that. That everyone has gotten a little bit better. But here I was last year looking at this division and saying that there were three really really good teams in the NFC North, and then throughout the season it was pretty much one of the most competitive divisions in football but I was also disappointed with the performance of the Bears specifically. Yeah. Um and then the oh, Packers. Yeah, they're awesome. The Packers surprised me. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they are and now I'm looking at the NFC North coming into this season and they they would be my front-runner pick right now
1: as the best division. No, 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 no. Or the the, the, Packers? the, Packers, the Packers would be the, yeah. the
2: Packers would be the best I think the best team in the NFC North but I think that it it as a division as a whole is way less interesting as it was at the beginning of last year. Last year. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Where we had where we had one Nick,
1: you, you picked the Bears to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and Nick picked the Bears Chargers Super Bowl. Talk about a talk about a <laughs> talk about a swing and a miss there. <laughs> a swing and a miss. Yeah, yeah. Not even getting the you know, the bat off the shoulders on that one. Well, it's I mean it's that defense, defense that you look at, you know, defense wins championships you
0: totally. look at the the defense, with you Nick. Yeah. You know,
1: they got Eddie Jackson and they got, you know, Khalil Mack and and all those guys on that on that defense and, and Maggie's the perfect coach to, to command them and and you just I wanted to see a lot more of Trubisky, and he didn't see it. So yeah, I mean, maybe Foles is the answer. You know, the guy who, who kind of keeps them safe at offense and just you know lets the defense play well and 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 converts when they need to.
2: Right, but again, mm-hmm. like Michael was saying, it's like if they plan, which I don't know if they're going to. I don't think they're going to.
1: It's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback like people were betting on him to win MVP last year, and they and, and casinos returned the money. He was so bad. Have you ever even seen that michael that, that's crazy to me
0: no i have no I can't say I have seen that
1: that's it's just wild um but are you in so all in all are you happy with the lines what have they, what they've done in the off season do you like them bringing in Jamie Collins do you like them bringing in Harmon i mean I think they got a little
0: i think they got a little better maybe yeah uh, you know i it's i look at it like this Jerron Harmon and savon Wilson are basically a wash okay um Harmon's maybe a little i can see why they would like Harmon because they're a little bit of a different player but i think to their skill set they're very similar as far as like level of player mm-hmm. uh but Harmon, Harmon will allow tracy walker to be more flexible yeah. so that opens that up jamie collins is probably an upgrade over devon Kennard if jamie collins wants to play if jamie collins doesn't want to play because he just got paid then the lions got rid of a team captain that did want that you knew you were going to always get your best effort from him for that so that that's tricky but jamie collins also offers a lot of versatility and they're clearly remaking their linebacker core this year because they also brought in reggie ragland and we'll see what he ends up doing but he's a run stopper and that kind of was what they hoped jared davis would be so i'm curious to see where they move jared davis around Uh, on the defensive line i think danny shelton is an upgrade over damon harrison not necessarily because like you know, Danny Shelton's proven it, but Harrison was clearly heading on the downward slope of his career out of his prime. And Shelton is a player that I think could still be ascending and still can get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nick Williams signing does nothing for me. He signed a guy who's had six career sacks, all of them last year and is 30 years old so okay you're bet- he reminds me of a guy the lions had a few years ago named george johnson who like literally came out of nowhere was signed as a free agent had a really good year then went somewhere else and was really bad so i i i'm not sold on that um vitae and wagner sure i mean i think that they're similar players but vitae there's more potential, but there's also more questions at this point because he hasn't really been a full-time
1: starter. It's a huge contract uh, the, that's not been a full-time starter.
0: Right, and I mean, and at corner, you got worse if you're the Lions because Darius Slay is a top-ten corner, maybe yeah. a top-six corner. Desmond Trufant's fine, but I, I don't think that he's at the level of Darius Slay. I think he's at a level just below that. You still don't know what you're doing in the second corner. The, the Lions went into and exited free agency with the same problems that they had. They went into free agency knowing they needed a cornerback, knowing they needed uh, a dynamic defensive tackle, knowing they needed a guard. Well, they exit free agency knowing they need a second cornerback. They know they need a dynamic defensive tackle potentially. And, oh, yeah, they know they need a guard. So where did they really get better? I, I just don't know. Now where I think it could benefit them this year is they brought in one guy from every level of the defense that played in New England. Two of them played under Matt Patricia. Yeah. And in, again, as we've talked about a few times where there's a whole bunch of uncertainty right now, you brought in a guy at every level of your defense that you're counting on that you know knows the scheme, knows the culture, and in two cases, Matt Patricia knows exactly how he's going to want to use you because he's done it before. Yeah. So that is invaluable, I think, to the Lions. Whether I whether they did that purposely or not, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, that's tough to say. But – I think that it could be a very beneficial byproduct for them of kind of their strategy this year when it came to signing players.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be more of not best player, but right player kind of situation we're seeing here. I mean, again, right. he was part of the war room, though, at least that at least drafted Trey Flowers, Matt Patricia was, right? When well, was- yeah, Joe, he,
0: you know, he coached Trey
1: Flowers. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, was, I wasn't even talking about I'm talking about just guys they brought in this year. I mean, yeah, you, no, I'm mad They I'm they're gonna have, in the they, could be, they could potentially have five of 11 starters that, Played for played in New England at some point, and Danny Shelton, Trey Flowers, Deron Harmon, Justin Coleman, and Jamie Collins. Yeah, uh, and Matt Patricia coached four of them. The only one he didn't coach was Shelton. Mm-hmm. So they and everyone else on that defense that is likely to be a starter at this point, other than Desmond Trufant, has played in Matt Patricia's defense now for a couple of years. So they should be now and potentially uh, Jeffrey Okuda. Um, <laughs> they should be, uh, but even here's the thing, even if they draft Okuda at three, right? Like, I don't know if they start him right away because corner is such a hard position to transition brutal, to. Brutal. They like, they like Amani Awarie a lot. Maybe they give Omani Awarie wa- a shot, see how he does. And then the worst case scenario is Awarie plays so well that, and Trufant plays well that you don't need to play Jeffrey Okuda all that fast. And then you can, if a warrior plays well, true plays well, then you could kind of just phase true out after this, after this coming season, I don't have his contract in front of me, so I don't know what the guarantees are for 21, but you can think about maybe phasing him out then, or maybe phasing Justin Corman out either yeah. at that point and, and moving someone into the slot. And then, you know, then all of a sudden, like, that's really good for you. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch, but there's this defense should have a lot of experience playing in Matt Patricia's team at this point, and that is incredibly valuable, I think, particularly this season because it's a hard defense to understand, it's a hard defense to learn.
1: Totally, man. It's not it's not for the faint of heart, you know. Um, but it'd be, I, I'm hoping that like that's been like the issue and Patricia's a defensive guy and I'm rooting for Patricia, obviously coming from New England. Um, but if he can't get the defense started then that's, that's no bueno for his job security. Um, so you, you, the lines are kind of stating that where they were when they, where they started a free agency, what's a team kind of separating from the lines here? What's a team that you think really? sprung up and benefited the most and grew the most in free agency and maybe not make that Niners jump, but that can make the jump back into the playoff picture and who's a team in the NFL that you think really dropped off and really hurt themselves in free agency that we can see on a steady, on on a massive decline.
0: I mean, so I hate, I hate these questions only because if you go back historically, (laughs) you look, teams that, teams that win quote unquote free agency don't necessarily win during the regular season. Okay. Like usually if you're signing, if you're signing big time in free agency, it's probably because you had some pretty significant holes and you're probably overpaying for guys and you're taking a chance that they're going to fit um, or you're rebuilding and you're just kind of taking, throwing stuff at the ball and seeing if it sticks, you know? So to me, I look at it and let Tampa, Tampa's the obvious answer for a team that bettered themselves in free agency because you signed Tom Brady and what, even if Tom Brady isn't Tom Brady and he's just Tom Brady, like that's still really, really good. And you've put yourself in a very, very good position to maybe make the playoffs because they have so many offensive weapons around him already. And like Evans and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard and whatever running back they have these days, Ronald Jones,
1: Cameron Brait can't forget about Cameron Brait. I mean, yeah, you can. Um,
0: <laughs> that's not a knock on Cameron Brait, but like O.J. Howard's a more dynamic player, uh, but Cameron Brait's not a bad player. So funny, he's got two good tight ends. Ronald Jones, eh, we'll see. But like you look at that and you say he's got better receiving options than he has had in a while in New England. So I'm curious to see how that goes. I think that they're, and I think their defense has some potential too. So I, I think they did a pretty good job. In, in Tampa. As far as a team that fell back, you know, I'm curious to see what happens in Minnesota because they did kind of remake their secondary a little bit. Obviously, I mean Xavier Rhodes wasn't playing well last year, but he's gone now. He's stung. Uh it sounds like it sounds like Everson Griffin's not going to be coming back. So there should be more attention potentially paid to Daniel Hunter. Limbaugh Joseph I think has gone too yeah, if I saw out. that correctly. So he's gone. so you're starting to see that defense kind of get a little bit um, beat up a bit now. Like, not yeah, beat up, but, like, a little bit older. You know, a little bit. They're not They're not going to have the same core that they've had for so long when they've terrorized Matthew Stafford and the Lions. So I look at that and I say, well, okay, maybe they're taking a step back. But I still think they're really good. I mean, they also obviously traded Stephon Diggs. Um, so there, there are definitely questions there in Minnesota. But I still think they're going to be a good team.
1: Yeah. I think they'll be. Good. I think they're going to take a step back. I think they're. It's interesting. We're adding a seven teams to the playoffs, right? So now that's a it's a, it's a full extra team that goes and the the Minnesota Vikings are way more susceptible. I think last year was they were prime. They beat the Saints, and that was the season they had to really get it done. They had Stephon Diggs. I mean, Dalvin Cook was injured down the stretch, but he still was playing at, his, at the best level we've seen him play, and that defense was great. That was last year we really had that defensive line and that defensive backfield. They do have two first-round picks, so it's going to be a little bit easier for them to maybe plug up and get two guys if we see people making a run at receivers or quarterbacks, and they could kind of wait on that a little bit and then take two really good defensive. players, but I think they're a team, I I like that you bring them up, you know, because I think the easy answer is the Patriots, but I'll never count out Bill Belichick because he always has something up his sleeve. They're a team that won the AFC East last season with Brady not being Tom Brady, just being just a decent quarterback. The defense was that good. So as long as he gets a guy in there that doesn't turn the ball over, can run the system and and keep the ball in their hands, which is why they haven't signed Jameis Winston, then they're still going to be competitive you know but i think the vikings is an interesting is an interesting team because they had so much they had so little cap room right but they they still had to make that jump so they had to shed, they weren't able to go out and get guys to catch the packers they had to shed guys and now hope they can really replace people in the draft which is always a risky business uh, over there um but yeah cool going forward if you're if you're drafting this season right And we bring up the lack of spring training. You brought it up earlier, Uh, the lack of spring games, OTAs, mini camps. Are you more weary of drafting a quarterback? Like should the Bengals really be, you know, reconsidering drafting Joe Burrow or is that just too much of a lock already and and they're going to do it no matter what? No,
0: no, you shouldn't reconsider that because A, they need a quarterback and B, if you're drafting a quarterback, you're not drafting them for one year. You're drafting them for, Mm. you know, you hope 10. So no. If you believe in your guy, like my concern with Tua has nothing to do with his skill level at all. It has to do with being able to feel comfortable about him medically. Like if Tua, if Tua was completely healthy, do you take Tua if if you're at one or two? You know, if you if you can take him. You take him. And I, I would say that with the Lions, too. If you were completely healthy, would, my conversation point around him would be a bit different. But without being able to really have your own doctors examine him and really feel comfortable about that, with the amount of money that you're putting into him, you can't. I, I, I would struggle with that as a GM. But, I would, but Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, like, no, if you like those guys, you're taking them not for one year. You're taking them for five to ten. And I mean, you're taking a lot of these players, too, for more than just one year. And if you're a team like Cincinnati, for instance, right, like Zach Taylor should have a lot more leeway. So you take Burrow like I don't think the expectation will be that they're a playoff team in 2020. I think that they would look at 2021. Plus, Cincinnati has been notoriously patient as an ownership group with their coaches so i think you're taking joe Burrow with the understanding that's probably 2021 2022 where you're hoping you can be competitive you know or not competitive but you can like compete for a playoff spot Mm -hmm. um you i look at you know sit with the chargers say the let's just say the chargers take herbert um you know i mean maybe they sit herbert maybe they don't play him maybe they stick with tyrod Taylor or they sign camp or they sign someone else as as a veteran once they draft their guy and, and go from there. In, in Miami, they have Fitzpatrick and they can rely on Fitzpatrick if they need to. So I don't think the thing is I don't think you're going to necessarily see a lot of rookie quarterbacks get pushed. Yeah. This year, to the point where like that that to me is is something that you know and, and I think the teams really are going to honestly. Maybe make decisions a little bit differently based off of the fact that you just don't know what you're looking at right now. Like, for instance, Andy Dalton is still on the Cincinnati Bengals at the moment. Well, OK, does that mean that the Bengals might keep Andy Dalton and be like, all right, you know what? We're going to give Joe Burrow a little bit more time to 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 learn this thing.
1: And not so David they could, him.
0: Well, I mean, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, you well, I wouldn't even say that because again, you're missing, if they're missing, say there's no spraying, say there's a short training camp or say there's no preseason games or, or whatever it ends up being. Right. We, which we don't know. Like you're giving yourself a, a way to say, listen, all right, Andy, we're going to start you. We're going to start you the first few games of the year. Will probably look to move you at the trade deadline or, or whatever. Like, I, I don't know if this is their thinking or not, but he's still on the roster. Yeah. So, as long as he's on the roster, you know, and maybe they eventually cut him. Maybe they eventually are able to trade him. But to me, I look at those things and I say, okay, well, maybe that's a smarter decision right now because you just don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, they were willing to start Ryan Finley over him last year in the middle of the season. So, just I mean, I mean, that's see what well, they, they, they
0: were also no, but I don't. But see, but you're looking at it. You're looking at it the wrong way there because they were starting Ryan Finley to see if they if Ryan Finley was someone they could go forward with. Though that, that they were out of it. They were done. Like they, you, you knew what you had or didn't in Andy Dalton, and you need to kind of see the future. Mm-hmm. If you're either you're a first year staff, so you're not in danger of getting fired. You know, yeah. at that point, like they're not going to they're not going to dump you because you haven't done anything egregious, you know. So it's not even, it's not like the whole locker room revolted against you like it did in certain situations or you're Freddy Kitchens and you took over a team that had a lot of potential and it, you know, went completely south on you. Like you if you're at the Bengals last year, you want to see what you have in Ryan Finley once you're out of it, because it literally what does it do? It doesn't hurt you. Yeah. Sure, it's maybe yeah. a little bit of an ego thing for Andy Dalton. But like <laughs> at that point, you, you didn't win with Andy Dalton last year, so sure. I mean, you know, and you can make the case to Andy Dalton. Listen, we're protecting you for more hits. You know, If it if came down to that, I don't think they made that case. But I'm just saying, that's uh, the, I, I don't look at that. I, I mean, I think they, they wanted to see what they had in Ryan Finley. Yeah, more you than have to. You, know.
1: you spend like a fourth round pick on the guy. You might as well see what you're working with. Not much, not, uh, not, much. Mu- not much, but not yeah, much. you might as well give it a shot. Um, we well before we let you go back to quarantine and Netflix. Uh, we did bring up at the top of the show. You do do a little MMA and you cover some MMA. So I got to ask you this: What's going to happen with Khabib and Ferguson? Are we going to get to see that at all? Or because I'm seeing reports that Khabib stuck in Russia and he won't get to fight Ferguson? Uh, is that dead in the water? Are we going to see somebody else versus Ferguson? Or are we going to see a fight at all? I mean, I
0: mean right now, uh, I mean, Khabib's not fighting. Like Khabib has come out multiple times and said he's he can't get out of Russia. so that like that he came out again today and said listen i that cannot happen so i don't i don't know what dana's gonna do i'm i i can't pretend to know what dana's gonna do uh i just kind of sit back and watch Uh, i'd love to see that fight at some point i think it's a fight that will be a very very good fight when it happens if it happens Uh, and you know it's unfortunate that it's at if at this point but I mean, it's been canceled so many times and postponed so many times for so many reasons. Like at this point, if it happens, like that, it's good. that I think will get draw such attention and such good pay-per-view ratings because people have been waiting for it so long. It's been like the most unintentional like hype train for what half Crazy. a decade now. Yeah. It's been you know it's been insane. So I think they'll try. I think at some point they'll try to get it back on the books again because it's not like either one of them was ducking it or someone even got hurt it was a global pandemic that is the reason that this fight is not happening like that is why this fight's not happening there's no other reason they both want to fight each other they are are they've made it clear that they do they it seems like they were both really looking forward to this fight so i think Generally, you know, going back to the NFL for a second, generally the conversation is always if, if both sides want a contract to happen, it usually happens. I think if both sides want a fight to happen, it'll usually happen. It's just that, you know, um, a global pandemic that is frankly much more important right now than anything else that's going on in the world um, is, is why that that's not happening right now. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, probably why it shouldn't happen right now, because I mean, Khabib should be with his family in Russia. Like, absolutely. Like, you know, in Dagestan. That's absolutely where he should be. Like, that's, to me, you know? And that's... So, I look at that, and that's... uh, No, I mean, I think at some point it can happen. When? I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to play play matchmaker or anything like that. I don't know what... What Dana's got up his sleeve, as far as you know, what they're going to do with Ferguson, I, I've seen some stuff thrown around there, but anything I would say would just be pure speculation without anything sourced.
1: Yeah, I too much grasping at straws. I'd rather them see see them cancel than force something anyway. You know, potentially make Ferguson look worse for a potential fight in the future. It's just like a rough. Yeah, but
0: I see. I see. I don't buy that. I don't buy that argument because I think that every person involved understands that it would be a very short turnaround, a short training camp, and. Uh, I don't think that say Ferguson fought and lost, right? Like I don't think anyone would look at, and say, Oh, Ferguson shouldn't maybe get a shot now. Like everyone, I think most people most people would understand the situation that like everyone is in at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I that that's just me. But who knows? Again, I, I don't, I think, don't it, think I don't Ferguson. think
1: anyone would say that he shouldn't get a shot. I just think it puts him in like a in a weird and wonky situation. If I'm Ferguson, I know I've been prepping for a fight for months and months on end. Um, but I don't know if I'm just, he could be, I'm sure he's maybe come out and said he's down to fight whoever and looking for, I think he said he's looking for another opponent, uh, and kudos on him to get the fight going or get something going, um, not lose on money, but I don't know. I think it'd just be just like a wonky, It's just all oh, just a wonky situation and that compiled John bones. Jones getting arrested again is just not a good, not a good couple of weeks for UFC along with pretty much every other major sport going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Michael, thank you so much for joining us, man. Great to have a fellow. Yeah, Long no Island. problem. Thanks. Fuck. Yeah, good man. I'm glad. Good, good to have a fellow Long Islander on the show. And you could check him out, guys. The Michael Rothstein Show. Uh, Michael, where can they follow you on Twitter?
0: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein, uh, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist, and as you said, most almost most importantly, you read my stuff at ESPN.com. Yes, and uh, check out my check out my podcast. It's called The Michael Rothstein Show. We generally interview. It's more of an interview podcast. We have players, coaches, uh, reporters come on, chat for a while, get into life, get into football, get into basketball, whatever we feel like talking about. So, uh, yeah, come on by. Check it out. Awesome. I, I'd man. appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course, man. Go check it out, guys. When, as soon as you're sick of us, which I'm sure after 200-something episodes, could be any day now, all right? Go check out The <laughs> Michael Rothstein Show. Michael, thanks for coming on, man. Speak to you soon, man. Hey, no
2: problem. Anytime, guys.
1: Of course. Maybe. All
2: right, don't, let's get to don't it. Don't aim,
1: just throw. Let's get into it. Yeah. Fun stuff. Great show. Uh, love what we had there with Michael. Uh, great time. The dude, is, you know, there's a reason he covers the Detroit Lions for the ES- for ESPN. No shine away from it. Yeah. You understand why. There's no shock value there.
2: Should we... I thought about this when we were making the charity stribe and I think you you came up with the name of it. Great name. Thanks. But sometimes I, I look back and I, I wish that we had named it. <laughs> you have regrets? The, uh, the Josh Fisher, Alexander Disopoulos, and Nick Kreider podcast. But it just would have been too long. Too long. Yeah. The Michael it? Michael Rothstein show, that flows. That That's flows. Nice. Yeah. It's very nice. The Josh Strong
1: name. Josh Tosh show would've been cool. Mm, yeah. Or J N T. But then you know we would have missed out on the opportunity to, to call him snacks. Yeah. And which is great because and the, he hates it and I, which makes me love it tenfold.
2: Right. Yeah. Also the fact that, um, you know, we, we, uh, we, we partnered ourselves with charity. It didn't mean to. We didn't, didn't mean, mean to. to. It just fell into our lap. It just kind of did. And now like anything we do, we want to make a, a charitable donation
1: when we do it. So it's so great. since boobs won, mm, yeah. we're going to donate.
2: They want our, uh, not our quarantine and supplies. Our, bracket, OG, combo our OG combo bracket, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna donate all of our ad, 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 ad earnings from yeah. uh, December and January to the Susan G. Komen Breast uh, Cancer uh, Foundation, which hmm. is we, we think is
1: a decent cause. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, great. And we are also sponsored by one more group. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. We're, we're sponsored by uh, by um, e, Bet e Online. A G. Dot A G. Yeah, Bet
1: Online. A G. There's a lot
2: of NFL futures picks you can make. We Do talked a lot about the NFL. If you're making an NFC North pick, who would you choose, Josh? Uh, Packers. The Pack Attack. Yeah, not not the Lions not yet. Definitely um,
1: not the Lions. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't sold on I don't think he was even trying to sell us. No,
2: no, no, he wasn't. And I don't I'm not sold on any of those teams except the Packers, to mm-hmm. be completely honest. I feel like and I, I went North. to
1: a, a a I feel like I went to a car lot and he just told me what he had. But no. he wasn't like, "Hey, buy this car." No. But it makes me want to buy it more. When someone's like, "Hey, buy when this." When they're honest buy- with the, the you, like, hey, this is it." I'm like, Alright, like let me give it a shot. I'm the type of guy that goes to the, the like used car lot, I look
2: at all the cars, mm-hmm. and then I see that yellow and black one that I think possibly could turn into a robot at some point in time. And okay. I'm like, I want to purchase that. Okay.
1: Car. So just for the
2: I'm looking for Transformers
1: is what I'm saying. That's interesting. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. I pick up like a stick of wood, like a long, thin stick of wood. Mm-hmm. Because it could be a wand.
2: Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You want nine and a a half quarters uh, of (laughs) inches. (laughs) Unicorn hair. Unicorn hair. Um, Speaking of other things that you can bet on, Mm -hmm. the elections are coming up at some point in
1: time. Yeah,
2: and and you know they have their own uh, online casino poker. Yeah, blackjack. Yeah, uh, serious blackjack. Uh. Serious blackjack. <laughs> yeah, so there's still fun to be had. Go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code mypod100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code mypod100. So easy a hippogriff could do it. Go to betonline.ag and and just get get paid. Get paid. Yeah, yeah.
1: Be, get money. Literally,
2: and and once you make all that money from betonline.ag, you can take it to gringotts bank and uh invest it yeah you you could could, invest it
1: or you could put it back into a quidditch match
2: Mm, yeah or you could um you could buy some you know it is april fools right Mm -hmm. now while we're recording this you could go to uh i don't remember the the candy store but yeah but you could buy the puking pastels and give them to a friend you know, they eat them, then they have to...
1: Pumpkin pasties. Pumpkin pasties, <laughs> yeah. They're easy, with pumpkin pasties. Uh, yeah, right. Really. Uh, Shame that Fred and George d- Fred didn't and George win the OG and, combo. I know, I was rooting for them. Yeah. I was rooting for them. Maybe we should just do a live... Do you think anybody would watch if we did a live stream of us watching all the Harry Potters? Maybe. I'm down. I kind of want to rip the whole I kind of just want
2: to do an episode where we talk about it. Not even watch it, just talk about it. Just see how long we can go talking about Harry for Potter.
1: Potter. For, the, for the probably the longest episode we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah, we should rewatch all the films and then do it. Yeah, we should do our own version of rewatchables. Yeah, totally. Or we just
2: rewatch stuff and then talk about it. Absolutely. Bill Simmons does that. It's he a great does. Podcast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He does do it. Yeah.
1: All right. Cool. Let's rip it and grip it. And to the fans out there, drag both feet in bounds. So I'm gonna full count, rip that puck, get that putt. HPKs because they free hit your free throws. Why toss?
2: Because. They free. Also, catch that snitch. Catch that snitch. That's being
1: added. We out you. Catch Ooh. that snitch. Catch that snitch. we <laughs> out. By you. orders from Madame Hooch. <laughs> <laughs> catch the snitch. <laughs> She's not German. We out you. We love you.